Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. afternoon and thank you for joining us soul to soul it's always wonderful to be with you on a wednesday afternoon and we're very much in the pesach spirit aren't we pesach is not far away in fact today a week will be erev pesach which means that tonight a week is the wonderful festival of pesach and the time when we get together with our families and we fulfill the beautiful mitzvahs of the pesach seder uh, in order to get there, as we know, there's lots of preparation, lots of work to be done. So let's talk a little bit about that preparation that we need to do to ensure that our homes are kashil of Pesach, are ready for Pesach, and that we welcome in the awesome Yontov of Pesach in the right way, in the correct way, the way we are supposed to. So there's uh, lots of cleaning to do in order to make our houses kashula Pesach. Um, we have to prepare the house in general, so we have to make sure that there's no chomets that exists in the house. Chomets is anything that comes from the process of leaven, of the leavening of the five grains. So the five grains are wheat, barley, spelt, rye, and oats. When any of those five grains come into contact with water, so automatically after 18 minutes, there's a fermentation process, and that becomes chomets. That is what's asr, that's what's prohibited on Pesach. So any item that comes from the five grains, from the flour of five grains, will therefore become chomets. And we have to remove all chomets from the house. So we, we're removing, what are we looking for when we're cleaning the house in general to make sure that it's chomets free? We're removing any um, products that come from the five grains that are edible. So anything that's an edible form of comets, like a biscuit, like a pretzel, little piece of a pretzel, or a little wafer, or anything like that, would be comets and needs to be removed from the house. Um, crumbs we don't have to remove. Small little crumbs or something that it's not necessary for us to remove. Um, some people are machmir and they're even removing the crumbs, but that's not something, that if it's not in the kitchen, that's not the maker in the, the strict letter of the law. One doesn't have to. Um, with regards to chomets that's become dirty, that's become a little bit soiled, um, if it's, it's only a problem if it's more than a kazais, more than the volume of a matchbox, which is 86 grams. But less than that, one doesn't have to remove it. One doesn't have to check for it. But otherwise, it's edible piece of chomets. So we need to check the whole house. We check the bedrooms. We need to check the study and the living room. You know, the couches easily behind the cushions of the couches. You can have your little pieces of, of biscuits of, um, that have fallen behind there, etc. When it comes to the dining room, of course, that's more strict. So when we are, uh, when dealing with food and eating, we are much more concerned because one's not allowed to. So there's two issues that we are at play with regards to the prohibitions of Pesach. One is Bal Yura Bal which means one's not allowed to own chomets, 
and the other is eating comets. We're not allowed to eat comets either. So even if we're not eating it, just owning the comets is a prohibition. And then when it comes to eating, we need to be very, very careful in particular that we don't eat any chomets items. Um, and that's even a tiny little crumb. It's a, it's a very serious prohibition of the Torah. To, it's a chiv koret, so our soul gets cut off, which is a, a serious story, um, something we need to be very careful about and make sure we don't eat any chomets or any chomets items throughout Pesach, which takes a lot of focus, a lot of work, and requires us to be vigilant and careful in particular about it. But it's a very important commandment from God for the Jewish people to fulfill this requirement, this mitzvah of Pesach, of removing the leaven from our homes and making sure that our homes are completely um, chomets free. Uh, so just to remind everybody, Pesach begins next Wednesday night at sunset of next Wednesday night, and it continues for eight days. And therefore, so next Wednesday night is the 5th of April, and it ends on the uh, 13th of April at sunset, which is the following Thursday night, that when the stars come out, the following Thursday night. For those eight days, we're not allowed to own any chomets items, and we're not allowed to eat any chomets at all. So that's the observance of the festival of Pesach. Um, the hardest area to prepare, of course, is the kitchen. So in order for our kitchens to be kashil Pesach, it does require a lot of hard work. Uh, we have to make sure that this, the, the uh, kitchens have been completely cleaned. Um, and we need to put away the chomet sticker items that we won't be using during Pesach. And we have to, we bring out our Pesach utensils. Um, and we have to also kasha the sinks and we have to kasha the counters of the kitchen and we have to kasha the, the, um, the fridge to make sure the fridge is kosher the pace off. So all of that takes quite a lot of work. Um, so maybe let's just quickly mention some of those things. Um, with regards to the oven, so obviously it's an important area of halacha and uh, there's much to talk about, but very simply speaking, it's quite difficult to kasher an oven for Pesach. So it always is best to have a Pesach oven wherever possible, um, especially here in South Africa with our load shedding. So to have a gas oven a, a, you know, that you use for Pesach is a very convenient thing and a very worthwhile investment and something that is the right thing and the best thing to do um, with regards to Hilchas Pesach, the laws of Pesach. If that's possible. If it's not possible, one doesn't have a choice and one can't afford to have a Pesach oven. So there are ways to kasha the oven. One cannot kasha the grates of the oven. So the racks upon which the food goes, you can't kasha. So you'd have to get new racks for Pesach. Um, and one would have to then clean the oven out with an oven cleaner very, very well and then leave it for 24 hours and then put it on a tight setting for an hour and have new racks um, or cover your racks. Um, so that's very briefly how to kasha the oven, but obviously contact your local halachic authority, your local Orthodox rabbi, who will guide you through the process very carefully. And with regards to the stove, so the grates of the stove, whether it's a gas stove, um, if, if it is so, you need to get new grates for for Pesach. The, the actual burners themselves you can kasha by putting on, um, cleaning them out very well with a detergent and then putting them on for 15 minutes on the highest setting. Um, likewise, the um, electric element, if you use a, an electric stove, 
So the electric element also can be cast to just uh, clean it well, put it on the highest setting for 15 minutes. And the areas around the element on the stove need to be cleaned well, left for 24 hours, and then um, covered. You should cover them with tin foil um, throughout Pesach. So um, so it's easier to cash a stove than it is to cash in an oven. Um, but, but, but again, it's also better to have a Pesach stove as well. And today you can buy, you know, these gas plates. Um, so to buy some for Pesach would be a, a good idea also. Okay, so let's now move on to the fridge. So the fridge obviously has to be cleaned very well, take everything out, clean all the racks very well, um, preferably with detergent. What we do is, which is a very convenient way to do it, is we put them in a bath and put in detergent in the bath, put them in there, soak them in there a little while just for a few minutes, and then we can take them out, rinse them, and put them back. That's fine. That would be fine because any, if there any are residues of chomets or crumbs, that would become, if once the detergent gets them, they become nifsal or chileskele, they become inedible, which is fine. Um, and one should so then put them back. Then they don't have to be covered. If you clean them well, you don't have to cover the um, the surfaces, the um, the uh, shelves in the fridges. And so clean the door out well, even clean the rubber seal because there could be residue of chomets in all those places and that's the food that we're using for Pesach. With regards to the counters, so the counters also um, could be kashered. So there are different ways to kasher the counters. We'll discuss them in a moment when we return. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about getting our homes ready for Pesach. We're talking about kashering the kitchen, which is obviously the hardest area to get ready because that's where we eat and we are not even allowed a tiny little morsel, a little crumb of comets would be um, a serious and very severe prohibition from the Torah. So we need to be very careful to make our kitchen, kitchens kosher for Pesach, cleaning out the fridge, as we mentioned, very well, um, and uh, cleaning the counters. So to get the counters koshered, the only counters that actually can be kashered themselves are those of pure materials. So if they're made of metal, or if they're made of pure granite, or if they're made of pure marble, so then those can be kashered. What you would do is clean them well, leave them for 24 hours, and then pour boiling water over them, making sure that the stream of boiling water touches every part of that counter. We don't use a pesadika kettle um, or urn to kasha, boil the kettle or urn. That's not as long as it hasn't been used for hot chomets in the last 24 hours. Um, your weekday um, kettle or urn can be used and ensure that the boiling water drips, lands on each part of that counter. So, you know, do a part, dry it, do a part, dry it. Um, so that's how to do it, making sure the water is boiling when you're pouring it on. It's not easy to do, but it is possible. If your counters are not made of pure materials, so by the way, if you do that properly, so then you don't need to cover the counter, so then that counter is kosher for Pesach. Um, if, if, you, if your counters are not pure materials, which most are not, uh, very few are pure marble or pure granite. Most of them are actually mixed materials. They've got other um, materials mixed in there. Then they can't be kashered, and therefore one would have to cover them. So clean them well, and then cover them with a waterproof material, 
that can't, that is thick enough that it won't be torn on Pesach. And then you can use those counters. So some people use, you know, that plastic, either thick plastic or they use, um, those, uh, plastic, um, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's not just a transparent piece of plastic, but it's a thick plastic board um, that is, uh, you know, about half a centimeter wide um, and quite easy to to cut to shape and to fit on your counters. So many people use that as well, which is quite practical. Um, we're fortunate that we have metal counters that we just fit onto our metal covers that fit onto our counters, which are also would be fine and very good. So. Counters either have to pure material when they can be cushioned, because they're not pure materials and covered, so you cover them. If, the, if you're covering them, you don't have to cushion them. You, cover them. you don't need to pour boiling water on them. You just need to cover them to make sure that it's a waterproof material that won't tear on Pesach. Okay, so what about our sinks? How do we cushion the sinks? So the sinks um, need to be cushioned. Don't use them for 24 hours or anything hot. You can use them for cold but not hot. For 24 hours. So you can only cushion metal sinks. You can't cushion enamel sinks. Um, for the metal sinks, again, you'll pour your boiling water from your kettle or your urn onto each part of the metal of the sink. Um, make sure the boiling water touches each part. Um, and there's a direct stream of the boiling water, which is, it takes work to do it right, but one has to be careful and make sure you do it properly. Um, also make sure that you pour the boiling water over the taps and over the um, the uh, spout of those taps um, he, uh, in the sink, um, what's best to do is make, uh, turn the hot water tap on, and while the hot water tap is on, pour the boiling water onto the spout of, of the sinks. Okay, so um, those are your sinks. Uh, if you don't have metal sinks, so you can't touch them, you would have to have insets, the you know plastic insets, which you would use over Pesach. Okay, so that briefly covers, you know, the floor, your clean. You just need to clean the floor with floor cleaner. You just need to vacuum the carpets, and that would be ready. And then your house and you will be ready for Pesach. Um, so it is work. It's lots of work, but it's important that we do it. Hashem has commanded us with these commandments, um, and all of it is Zechel Etzias Mitzrayim. We remember our coming out of Egypt and the great miracles God did for the Jewish people. When he took us out of Egypt. So now let's get into some of the, or maybe I'll just quickly mention, um, which, uh, utensils. So it's usually utensils where you want to have kasher the place of utensils. It's difficult to kasher your utensils. Many materials can't be kashered. Um, so you could only kasher something that's made of, uh, metal or any of the metals. So, you know, whether it's uh, gold or silver, copper, steel, aluminium, all of those metals could be kashered. Wood, stone, and bone could be kashered. But metals, utensils that are made of glass, which includes Pyrex or Duralex, enamel, porcelain, china, Teflon, all of those materials can't be kashered for Pesach, and therefore one needs to have special Pesach utensils, kalim, that one should use. And over the years, each household um, gets more and more each year, so hopefully through the years you'll develop enough Sufficient utensils for you to um, use over Pesach, which is the right thing to do. Okay. I'm not going to get into the custering process of utensils. It, it is quite complicated and quite difficult to do. And so it's ideal to have Pesach Kalim, Pesach utensils um, that you'll use on Pesach. Put away when Pesach is over. Take them out again um, when you switch, change over your kitchen and they'll be ready for you for Pesach. 
Okay, great. So now let's maybe get into some of the inyanim of Pesach, some of the ideas of Pesach. In particular, I want to focus firstly on the um, Pesach Seder, which of course is the highlight of Pesach, so one of the highlights of the year in the Jewish calendar. And the Pesach Seder is widely observed by the Jewish people, even Jews that do not do much and are, are find themselves um, not observant of God's commandments. Many fast on Yom Kippur and attend the Pesach Seder. There is something in the Jewish psyche that um, is deeply embedded and uh, is known to Jews that if one doesn't even uh, celebrate Pesach, so then one is quite disconnected from the Jewish people. But uh, every Jew, it's an important part of Jewish identity to participate in the Pesach Seder, to have the full the mitzvah of matzah and the four cups on the night of the Pesach Seder, and uh, and preferably to make an effort not to have chomets the whole week of Pesach. So even Jews that are not observant, quite widely spread, certainly here in our South African Jewish community, are um, make an effort to participate in the Seder and not to eat chomets for those eight days of Pesach from the uh, from Wednesday night, the fifth of April this year. Until Thursday night, the 13th of April, no chametz items, no bread, and no items that come from any of the five grains that have leavened that have been mixed with water. So we should all make a big effort to do so, and it's a very important part of being a Jew. And of course, the Pesach Seder is a powerful night. It's a night filled with great joy and great light and um, many powerful ideas. It is the foundation of our faith. It is the story of the Jewish people that we share with our families, that we go through uh, together and relive um, the beginnings of the Jewish people. Rav Chaim Soloveitchik says, he's the great Rav Chaim of Briska, he asks the question, he says, why do we make such a, um, a fuss of the Pesach Seder? What's so unique about the night of Pesach? We, there is an obligation to remember the coming out of Egypt every night, as the Mishnah in Brochus says, At nights we are obligated to talk about the coming out of Egypt. So what's unique and special about the night of the Pesach Seder? If you live in Chutzlaretz, in the diaspora, so we have two Sudarim, first night and second night of Pesach. And Reb Chaim answers and he says that the three characteristics that make the Pesach Seder different to a regular night. The first one is that um, we have to speak about the coming out of Egypt in a question and answer format. Um, for example, we say Manish Tana, the four questions of Manish Tana, and then we answer those questions with Avadim Hayin. So the structure of the discussing of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is with question and answer. That's the first difference of the Pesach night, says Rukhaim Sadovetchik. Second one, he says, is that the whole story has to be told. Every other night we say, we remember God took, it out, took us out of Egypt. That's the Doraisa Torah commandment to remember every morning and every night, every day and every night that Hashem took us out. But on Pesach night, we have to tell the whole story. That's not enough just to remember we came out, that Hashem let us out. But rather that we have to tell the whole story, Maschil Bignus or Masayim B'Shvach. We start out with Gnus, with remembering the difficulty, the suffering, the pain, and we conclude with the praising of God for the amazing miracles that he did on our behalf to take us out. So that's the second aspect. And the third aspect, he says that we have to mention Rabban Gamliel and we Doresh Taima 
time may have We speak about the reasons for the mitzvahs of Pesach, Matzah, and Maro. So those three things we have to do in Pesach night in order to fulfill our obligation, whereas in all other nights, we just have to remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But perhaps we can all, can uh, view it from another point of view. I heard this from Rabbi Gladstein, um, a beautiful idea, which is based on the same Shemi Shmuel. Shemi Shmuel is the socket of a Rebbe, and the Shemi Shmuel in his Haggadah Shil Pesach, he makes reference to his father. His father was the Avne Nezer, the great Sokachov Rebbe who was before him. And the Avne Nezer points out that the Targum, the, the uh, Aramaic translation of the words Vigarata Lebincha. Vigarata Lebincha is the commandment in the Torah that we have to communicate to our children, the Yomahu on this day, that the Jewish people came out of Egypt. So the Targum translates that word Vigarata not just as speaking about and saying over the story, but rather he says Vigarata is Vahave, which means um, to show. So we don't just talk about it, but we have to show our families the experience of Egypt. Uh, I remember the late Chief Rabbi Harris um, once said that the Pesach Seder is an audio-visual display of the story of the Jewish people, of the beginnings of the Jewish people, the birth of the Jewish people. So I never uh, saw a source for it. So the source comes from the Shemi Shmum Haggadah, who his father translates Haggadata as Have, which means to show. So we have a very strong source for that. Um, and that's why... It says, Adam, says, that every person is obligated to regard as if they came out of Mitzrayim. We relive the events with a very powerful audio-visual display um, of the story of the Jewish people. And the, this display is done with a framework of a number of mitzvahs. And that's what makes it so special. There are many, many mitzvahs that we do on the night of Pesach next which will be next Wednesday night in Mitzvah Hashem. In fact, the Abu Draham says that there are 12 mitzvahs that we fulfill in the night of Pesach, Mitzvah Tereis, Mitzvah Tereponen, Torah commandments and rabbinic commandments. And that's what we say, Ba'avur Zeh, for this we say at the Seder. Um, and Zeh is uh, Gematria, Zion is 7, He is 5, is 12. Because of this, because of these things that we are, the Seder plate and everything that we are showing, um, the matzah, the maror, etc. So the, the Abu Dhrayim says the 12 mitzvahs. The Chida says that he's only referring to the 12 mitzvahs masios, the 12 actions, but he's not referring to actually the mitzvahs of speaking and of saying. Rav Brevda um, said, the great Rav Brevda met a certain Rav who was in the town of Mir, and this Rav told Rav Brevda that he heard from Rav Alchonon Basaman that Rav Halchonen says it's a Masoira, it's a tradition we have from the Gro, from the Vulnagon, that if you add up all the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs, mitzvahs that we say, the mitzvahs that we do on the night of Pesach, there's 64 mitzvahs on the night of Pesach. Isn't that an amazing thing? Quite incredible. 64 different mitzvahs that we do by going through the Agada on the night of Pesach, on Leil Pesach. So we see Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. He gave us many mitzvahs. How fortunate are we, the Jewish people, that we fulfill so many commandments of the Creator of the universe, of the Melech Malchem Lachem Baruch of the King of Kings Himself. 
by fulfilling the mitzvahs in Pesach. So there's 64 mitzvahs that we're doing through Pesach, which is amazing because when you look at the other Yomim Tovim, so like let's say Sukkot, there's one mitzvah of the Sukkah, to sit in the Sukkah. On uh, Chanukah, there's one mitzvah to light the Chanukia. On um, Purim, there's one mitzvah in the night of Purim to hear the Megillah. But on Pesach, there are actually 64 mitzvahs, which is quite an incredible thing. So that makes the night of the Seder so powerful and so rich and so meaningful um, in so many ways that we carry out in an audio-visual display these 64 mitzvahs that we fulfill. There's an amazing idea from the Baal Chaleshin. The Baal Chaleshin was Rav Shlomo Eliyashu, the great Rav Yosef Shalom Eliyashu's grandfather, who was actually the Rebbe of the Chutz Chaim in Kabbalah. He was a big Kubal. So he says a beautiful idea, which uh, reinforces what we say. He says that when we see on the Pesach Seder, when we, when we look at the story of Pesach, don't think that Hashem took us out quickly because if He didn't, we would have descended beyond the Mimtesh Share Tuma, the 49 levels of spiritual impurity. He said, of course, we were on that level, and that's why Hashem saved us. And if Hashem hadn't saved us at that point and got involved, so then we would have slipped to the point beyond return. But from the beginning of the Gula, from the beginning of the redemption, from the beginning of the miracles that Moshe performed on behalf of the people, and the beginning of the plagues, so then Hashem began to lift us out of that, um, of that gutter, of that um, being at the bottom of the pit of the 49 levels of spiritual impurity. By the time we came out, says the, the Baal Haleshen, we were on such a high level that if Hashem hadn't taken us out at that point, so the world would have reached a state of absolute perfection and there wouldn't have been any um, free choice left in the world. In other words, the revelation of divine power was so strong when Hashem took us out of Egypt that the light of Hashem fooled the world to such a degree that we almost, all of creation almost reached its pinnacle of perfection. And then there would have been no free choice. Then the existence of the world wouldn't have been required anymore. So Hashem took us out at that moment and we were on such a high level that we almost reached perfection. That's how high the level was of the Jewish people when we came out of Mitzrayim. That's an incredible thing. So that's what's going on in the night of the Seder, is that we're reaching these high levels. We have the capacity and potential to climb very, very high levels through these mitzvahs that we fulfill, in which we, we the Jewish calendar is not just a simple historical commemoration of an event. Rather, we don't just say it's single dimensional, but rather it's like a spiral. As we go around the cycle of the calendar, as the Ramchal says, we're going up and up each year. We're getting higher and higher. And with those spiritual energies that existed at that time of year and resulted in those events that took place are also available for us every year. And that's what we're trying to connect to with the Mu'adim of the Yom We're trying to, now we've reached that point in the calendar, these energies are now present in the world and we're trying to maximize them and connect to them. And just like they brought these energies uh, led the Jewish people out of Egypt, so so too we trying to connect them to them to lift us and to raise us and to bring us to our own personal salvation, which is a beautiful concept and a powerful idea. Um, and that is actually embedded in the name of Pesach, which we'll continue with in a moment um, when we return. This 
This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're discussing the great opportunity with the Leil HaSeder, the night of Pesach Sedarim, first night and second night, which are next Wednesday night, next Thursday night how these nights are filled with great light and great holiness, with tremendous potential to develop and grow. And the 64 mitzvahs that we fulfill and perform on the night of Pesach are filled with tremendous power and tremendous light um, in that the word Pesach, which means Pesach, means to skip over in Hebrew. So it's referring base the basic pshat, the basic understanding is Hashem skipped over the house of the Jewish people. The Jewish people that they mixed the dam of Mila, the, the dam of the Korban Pesach, that blood they put on their doorposts. Those houses that had the blood on the doorposts, Hashem skipped over um, during Makos Bechoris when the firstborn of Egypt were killed by God. So uh, those houses were protected. Hashem skipped over them. And that's why it's Pesach. We remember Hashem skipped over the Jewish houses. But the Arizal says there's a much deeper understanding of the word Pesach. That Pesach also means the jumping of levels, the jumping of spiritual um, awareness that happened to the Jewish people during the time of Pesach. And that's something that we have the capacity to connect to all of us every Pesach. That energy is present once more, and we have the opportunity to go way beyond what our level is, way beyond where we're holding spiritually. Pesach, we can jump. Hashem Enables us just he, just like he did with the Jewish people in Egypt, so too on this night or the fifteenth of Nisan next Wednesday night, Hashem gives us the opportunity to jump and to jump many many spiritual levels if we just follow the framework and guidelines of the Seder and allow ourselves to see Hashem's presence and to feel Hashem's presence. So then we'll do so in a very intense and powerful way, and that's the capacity, that's the opportunity, that's the great gift of Pesach of the Lala Seder that in Mirz Hashem we should all receive and make the most of. And as the Midrash says, Benisan Nigaldu Mimitraim, it doesn't just say Benisan, it says Betesvav Benisan. On the 15th of Nisan, we were redeemed from Egypt. And so the Midrash continues, Betesvav Nisan, Atin Ligal. On the 15th of Nisan, we'll be redeemed again. So there's great potential for redemption that, please God, we should all experience and connect to and feel a part of. With regards to um, the Pesach said. Okay, there's one more idea that I want to share with you. I see we're running out of time. Time travels fast when you're having fun. So, but let's uh, go for it anyway. So there's another interesting message about the Haggadah of Pesach that I'd like to share. Um, this message comes from a Haggadah called Magid Harakia. It's a new Haggadah that Art Scroll have printed. And there's a beautiful point that the Haggadah makes. The 15 simanim of the Seder. So if you open up your Haggadah, you'll see it starts out with the 15 steps, the 15, what we say, the 15 levels of the Seder, which starts with Kaddish, Ulchatz, Karpas, Yachatz, Makik, Ratza, Moitzi, Matza, Maro, Korea, Shuchan, Aruch, Tzafon, Berech, Halal, Nirza. Those are the 15 steps of the Seder. So the great and holy Chida says an amazing thing. Uh, the, the Holy Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai, and we often have spoken about him in the past. He was a great genius, the Chida. Um, he was the the Rebbe of the Orachaim Hakadosh, and he wrote many many different svarim. 
was a great leader of the Jewish people. Lachida says that this, um, this, these 15 steps are actually a plea to every Jew to develop and grow spiritually. How? By controlling our mouth, by controlling our tongue, by ensuring that we use the great power of speech in the right way. We use it to build and we don't use it to destroy. And he says, how do we see that in these 15 steps? Kadesh. So he says, Kadesh is an, actually a request, a challenge to every Jew to become holy. If you want to become holy, verachatz, and cleanse yourself, cleanse your neshama, so Kadesh become holy, verachatz and cleanse, urchatz is to cleanse yourself. So then the first step is karpas. What does karpas stand for? He says, Klal Rishon Pe Sagur. So the letters of Karpas, Kaf, is Klal, is the first rule. Rishon is first. Pe is Pe, your mouth, Sagur, keep your mouth closed. The first step in becoming a holy person and cleansing oneself is by learning to shut our mouths, by learning to not speak when we shouldn't and not let our tongues um, freely destroy whatever is in our wake. And he continues, he says, Yachatz Magid. If you need to say something, Yachatz is brief, it's quick. Yachatz Magid, say it quickly, say it briefly. Rachza, and in order to cleanse ourselves sufficiently, in, a, in the second level of cleansing, is Moitzi Matzah Maror. So uh, do not bring out, Matzah is the word for strife, for suffering. Maror is bitterness. Do not bring out bitterness and strife with our tongue, with our mouth. So those are the steps that it's referring to. Isn't that beautiful and powerful? So, so, so clever how the Chida describes those 15 steps of the Seder and how they refer to cleansing our tongue and how we speak. So the, there's a big question, why is it that on Pesach we talk about cleansing ourselves? We see that um, each of the Yontav has a very powerful, significant theme. And in fact, in the Gemorrahs, the Agaritas in the Gemorrahs, they're always consistent with the, the that Masechta. So, for example, the Masechta Shabbos has Matan Torah in it because everybody agrees that Shabbos was given to Matan Torah. And Masechta um, Gitin has the uh, dealing with the Chorban Beis because the destruction of the Temple is a separation between Hashem and Klai Yisrael. And Masechta um, Ksubas has the beauty of Eretz Yisrael because the Ksubas, the marriage between Hashem and Klai Yisrael, the beauty is the gifts that the Chosen gives the Kala um, for their marriage are Eretz Yisrael is what Hashem gives the Jewish people. So Pesach has within it, the first part of Pesach talks about Lashon Naki. It says, In the light of the light of the Gemara says, referring to the light. Why is the night referred to as light? Because the Gemara says, it's a Lashon Ma'al Yisrael. It's an elevated Lashon. It's a, it's a um, refined speech. So what's refined speech got to do with Pesach? So we've just described with the Chida speaking about how the different um, parts of the Seder deal with cleansing our speech, speaking properly. But the the one of the fundamental aspects of Yetzirah Mitzrayim is actually the liberation of speech of the mouth because we were in the the um, Shibud, the bondage of Egypt. Part of the bondage of Egypt dealt with the faculty of speech, and that was Paro. Paro is Pera, a bad mouth. So Egypt was filled with these negative um, speaking, negative speech. 
and the ability to be redeemed from Egypt um, means liberating our mouth. And that's why it says, Everybody speaks about the coming out of Egypt, that's praiseworthy. And the Balai Toysu say that our speech, um, we, we became, uh, the suffering of Mitraim was connected to speech because part of the reason was when Avram Avinu said, How will I know that the Jewish people will be redeemed? So there was a mistake in speech. And also we see Moshe Rabbeinu, he saw that he went out and saw the suffering of Klai Yisrael, and he said, when they saw them speaking Loshnari, he says, now I know why they're suffering so much. Now I know why they're going through this terrible bondage and this terrible subjugation because of the Loshnari that they're speaking. And the place that Hashem took us to when he redeemed us was a place called Piachiros, which means the, the mouth of freedom. So there was the redemption of Mitraim, was the redemption of speech. And where we speak about our speech, where it says in Torah, Kol Kol Yav Hakol Kol Yaakov was when um, Yaakov brought Yitzchak food. So we know that that was for Lel HaSeda, that was Pesach. So the, the dominant theme of Pesach is speech and redeeming our speech. And that's the capacity we have on Pesach and one of the focuses of the Pesach Seda. Please stay with us, we'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we were talking about Pesach, getting ready for Pesach, preparing for Pesach, the great opportunity of the Pesach Seder, which is not far away, which is next Wednesday night and next Thursday night, and how one of the dominant themes of Pesach is cleansing our speech, controlling our speech, using our tongues for the right reasons in order to build and in order not to destroy. So that's the last steps of the Seder. So we got up to a matzah. So how do the other steps apply to speech and working on our speech, cleansing what comes out of our mouths? Koirech is bind up the mouth. We need to bind up the mouth and then you'll have shuchan aruch. Then there'll be a table set for you in Olam Abba in the next world. Vodogon writes in his letter that the greatest achievement of a human being is to learn to control their mouth, is learn to use the speech effectively and properly, and then they will be blessed with the gift of Olam Abba, of the next world. That will be Tzafon, that will be hidden away for a person when we control our speech, Barech, and we will receive Hashem's blessing for eternity, Halal. If we're able to praise Hashem with our speech, use our speech for the right reasons, to thank Hashem, to acknowledge Hashem's kindness, to sing praises of Hashem, then Nirza will always find favor in the eyes of Hashem. Wishing all of our listeners a chak kasha Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.